0: Well, if you missed the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show on Friday, set your clock for 7 p.m. this week or the replay Saturday at noon because you'll get a lot of insight into the financial markets into – Really saving for retirement or planning for financial independence, however you want to look at it, because Josh Pick and the Aptus Wealth Management team do a phenomenal job. Josh joins me every Friday at 7 and Saturday at noon is the replay, as I said. And Josh joins me every Monday here. We call it Money Monday on The Answer. It's always great to have Josh in. Their office is located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750 that's not far from 23 and 270 and they offer you a free consultation there's no obligation meet with them talk about investing talk about where you are as you plan for retirement and how they can help you in that regard set up your appointment online aptuswealth.com aptus aptuswealth.com or you can make your appointment by calling their office at 614 614- 9171040 and when we talk about retirement we're always talking about different vehicles of investing and <clears throat> managing volatility and all those kinds of things Josh I saw a story this morning that talks about it in terms of whether people should think of themselves as wealthy or poor or well off by their net worth not necessarily by what they've saved What do you think of that concept that net worth is the number that matters, not necessarily uh, retirement accounts and uh, a retirement blueprint like you guys have at Aptus?
1: Well, while net worth is important, obviously somebody with a $100 million net worth is in much better shape than somebody with a zero net worth. However, net worth is kind of a broad brushstroke explanation of what you're actually worth. Let me give you an example. Uh, if you have a million dollars in a traditional IRA and a million dollars in a Roth IRA or a brokerage account, those are two drastically different numbers. Because if you don't believe me, go liquidate your IRA or 401 uh a million-dollar IRA or 401k, and say, how much money do I get after tax? And it's a far different number than if you just had a million dollars in a savings account. So this is why it's so important to make sure that you have a plan for how you're going to distribute those assets and what does that actually mean in dollars and cents we don't live off our net worth we live off the
0: cash flow yeah very true uh because you know you can if you say well my net worth is x and i need that to retire on uh, by the way you also need a place to lay your head at night so as this survey says a lot of people's net worth is tied up in the equity of their home some savings and a 401k account net worth is obviously the difference between your assets and your liabilities now this this number surprised me it says americans age 65 and up who rank in the 50th percentile, so that's right in the middle, which means half have more, half have less. It doesn't mean that's the average that everybody has, but half have more and half have less. The average uh, 65-year-old in the the 50th percentile is 281000 in net worth. That number seems awfully low to me to be the median.
1: Well, I think we have a, a misconception of what the average person in the United States looks like, um, and I think we have a very jaded perception of what even the top 10 percent of the top 1 percent is. Um, you know, they did a, a study recently, um, and I can't remember who did the study or who who was the, uh, uh, you know, what age group they were looking at, but it was define what rich is in the United States. And I think we've fallen into the trap of maybe Instagram reels and TikTok videos to think that. Uh, rich people all have $100 million and live off of you know $5 million a year, when in reality, on average across the United States, a $500,000 income will get you into the top 1%, not the top 10, mm-hmm. the top 1%. So if you kind of rewind the clock back and uh, say net worth, 50% of the people in the United States have a net worth of less than 281 um, I think we then conclude that, well, everybody over that's probably skewed way higher than that to get that number down, and it's really not the case. It is a traditional bell curve with very few people at that top sector having more than a
0: million bucks. Yeah, those are great points. I, I was struck by a lot of the numbers in this. We are chatting with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. Josh joins me every Monday here at this time for Money Monday, and you can get a uh, an extended uh, look into investing and how to uh, plan for retirement Maybe get Aptus on your team, uh, as my wife and I have done, by setting up your free consultation, 614 917 1040, or by making your appointment online at AptusWealth, aptuswealth.com. I was actually surprised too, not just by the median net worth, 281,000. I was surprised that uh, 1.9 million will get you in the 90th percentile. So only 10% of the people would have a higher net worth than 1.9 million, which again, when you're factoring in. You know, the home that you have uh, and your retirement, I'm actually surprised that number is as low as it is, $1. 9 million. not because I'm above it now, but just because I would have expected it to be higher.
1: You know, I think that's a very common misconception, um, and I think sometimes, you know, the takeaway of all this information is, like, sometimes people can become paralyzed because they feel like, well, what could I possibly do to be worth $10 million like all of these other people that are out there? Well, a couple things. One there aren't that many $10 million people out there, I'm not saying they don't exist, but most people who became what is defined as wealthy, top 10% is at $1.9 million per you, uh, is just discipline and repetitious savings, mm-hmm. um, and not just savings, but investing. Yep. And that's really what we do here, is show people how if you just do all the right things, you'll end up very wealthy.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to say, is from our conversations, I've learned that if you think you can't do it, you won't unless you start. Unless you have discipline, unless you're investing, not just saving, that's what they help you with at Aptus. They offer you a free consultation. You get to know each other. 614 917 1040 is their office number. Call it, set up your appointment today, or you can make your appointment online Aptuswealth. dot com. A-P-T-U-S, and as we have talked for the past, I don't know what, year plus, about, oh, this, uh, this headline says this, doomsday. This headline says, no, everything's great. Uh, but we've been trying to debate this, quote-unquote, soft landing. The Fed's raising rates. They're trying to get inflation under control. It's come down, but it's still 50% above where they would like it. And I saw this story in Forbes, and a lot of the problems we've had in our economy has, have caused or the, or the uh, stock market has gone way down, uh, that we are apparently, and you would know this better than me, Uh, we are apparently close to regaining all the losses, uh, from the market less than 20 months after it began. So I don't know, is that the soft landing people are talking about or the further I read the story I found out? No, no, it's not, it's not a consensus opinion. There's still people who are nervous about it.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I, think, uh, you know, we have been doing this show for about a, uh, well over a year and, uh, um. I certainly have hopefully conveyed to people that I I don't like to create fear as a motivator. But uh, while we are back uh, to even from all the losses that we had taken, or at least darn close, uh, there are a lot of things to still be concerned about. You know, there's as many headlines saying that we're heading for the cliff as there are saying that we have reached this soft landing. And Mm -hmm. I could point to a a myriad of things like the, the next Fed meeting, or what happens with international trade relations, the next election is probably pretty important, um, and the fact that we have had significantly skewed returns from the top 10 companies in the S&P 500. All of that being said, I think it's important that while you should not uh, pull all your money, your money out of the market, that certainly isn't going to get you there. You better have a plan that you feel very, very comfortable with, uh, that you can weather some storms with, Uh, Because if you don't understand why you're doing what you're doing, and there are storms coming, uh, if not soon, there will be storms throughout the rest of your your retirement, uh, then your chances of success, if you're not disciplined, are going to erode very, very quickly.
0: Yeah, so true. And that's what I gained. That's what my wife and I gained from uh, going with Aptus is an understanding, peace of mind, a plan, a rationale as to why we're working that plan. Set up your free consultation today, six one four nine one seven ten forty 917 1040 or aptuswealth.com. And, Josh, at the end of this Fortune article, they talk about people trying to kind of hedge, you know, gain some of the market's advantages, mitigate against some of the market's uh, damages. And we hear a new phrase thrown out there. I think most people are familiar with mutual funds, but we, now we hear about ETFs, ETFs. What's an ETF in about the minute we have left? Well,
1: an ETF is very similar to a mutual fund, um, other than if you've ever called your 401K company, for example, and said, hey, you know, how much money do I have in my 401k? You'll notice they always say, as of yesterday's close, you have XXX, right? And that's because mutual funds trade at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time is when it closes, and then they kind of settle up the books after market hours. ETFs, on the other hand, trade like stocks. So while you can gain the diversification and a bunch of other benefits like hedging strategies and uh, broad diversification, et cetera, they can accomplish all those things, but they trade like a stock. So for people like us, they can be very advantageous, not just from a tax perspective, but from a ability to move and time uh, certain areas of the market perspective.
0: Josh Pick, Aptus Wealth Management. We are uh, ready for Money Monday. We will be uh, ready for the Aptus Retirement Blueprint radio show on Friday. That starts at 7. Don't miss it. 614-917-1040 to set up your consultation. Aptuswealth Wealth, Aptus, Com. Josh, thanks for your time. See you Friday. You as well. Thanks, Bruce. So I think it was Friday when I said that whatever the left accuses you of, uh, they're already doing it. And I remember Hillary Clinton. Uh, Trump, Russia, 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 Russia. And turns out she was the one who paid for the dossier that created the whole Russia hoax. Trump's an existential threat. Yeah, well, having a presidential candidate from the other party try to frame and spy on the campaign of the uh, opposition party. Uh, That seems at odds with the Constitution of the United States. And then Joe Biden was like, hey, that phone call Donald Trump made to Ukraine asking them to investigate corruption in my campaign, uh, he should be impeached over that. And he was. Uh, But it turns out that the quid pro quo was not Trump and Ukraine. It was Biden and Ukraine as Presumably, Devin Archer will testify in Congress this week following the whistleblowers who tried to testify last week, but all the Democrats on the committee could do was shout, Trump, 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 Trump. So whatever they accuse you of doing, they're doing it. And they accuse you of what? You're a mega, mega, turbo, mega extremist. You don't care anything about our country. You don't care anything about the foundational principles of democracy, democracy, democracy. Well, um, one tenant of... uh, constitutional republic, is that we have three co-equal branches of government. The executive branch, that's Joe Biden, and the Congress. No, that's Joe Biden. The legislative branch, that's the Congress, and then the judicial branch, that's the Supreme Court. Okay? So we got three co-equal branches, except in the Democrats' ideal world, there would be no Supreme Court. And whatever they accuse you of doing, they're doing it. Which brings me to a paper written in tandem by Harvard Law Professor and San Francisco State Political Scientist. The Harvard Law Professor is Mark Tushnet. The San Francisco State Professor is Aaron Belkin. Who have written an open letter getting a lot of traction among progressives right now. And the letter says this, a president who disagrees with the Supreme Court's interpretation of the Constitution should offer and then follow an alternative interpretation. In other words, the Supreme Court is supreme unless its opinion does not meet with the approval of Joe Biden. And then it's not the Supreme Court, it's the not-quite-supreme suggestion body these morons they're professors like harvard law right oh harvard law wow very impressive harvard law this guy's a professor at harvard law which tells you what he's teaching harvard law students that it is okay it is better to have a president sit in judgment of the supreme court than to have Uh, What are they, the almost Supreme Court? The only sometimes Supreme Court? The depending upon what Democrats say, maybe kind of, sort of Supreme Court? Both these idiots, of course, support court packing. Here's their quote from the letter. The threat that MAGA justices pose is so extreme that Joe Biden must act when MAGA justices issue high stakes rulings. They say he shouldn't ignore every MAGA ruling. Oh, really? Uh, Only the ones like about abortion and affirmative action and all the stuff that, you know, we've known for 50 years is all blatantly unconstitutional. But you want to hold it up to continue to get voting blocks of not very uh, savvy voters to vote for you so you have indeterminate access to power. Those are the only ones you want him to overthrow. The professor's argument is based on a theory called, I love this. If something's really, really stupid and really, really fascist and really, really dictatorial, how are we going to get it by the people? I know. Let's give it a really important sounding name. So their argument that Joe Biden should allow the Supreme Court to decide, and if he doesn't like what they decide, but then he should just ignore it and overthrow it, is called popular constitutionalism. See, the Constitution is good, but if they decide something that's just not popular. Then we just overthrow it. You know what that's called, ladies and gentlemen? That's called mob rule. That's what that's called. And they're for it because they perceive that they have the mob in their favor. Boy. Can you put people in jail for being stupid? I guess not. Good thing for Professor Tushnet and Belkin. This is being viewed even by people on the left right now. Some, not the, not the whack jobs, like, well, I mean, they're on the left. They're all whack jobs. Some people on the left, like Biden. Biden says, no, I can't do this. Can't pack the court. Although, give him time. It can be talked into anything. It just, just, you know, appears as yet that they have not located the right button on his back while they make his mouth move to approve their other wacko stuff like climate change. This will become the mainstream idea of the left. Not a not a radical suggestion, not one that merits a headline, not one that people on the left condemn. This will become the mainstream attitude. You float it out there, just like gay marriage. You float it out there, oh, well, we'll never ask for it. But it would be nice, you know, it would be nice. We never asked for it, though. It would be just be nice. And then you start saying it more and more and more and more and more, and the water on the boiling frog gets ticked up just a degree or two, and then five years from now, hey, you know, what about that popular constitutionalism? Oh, you know, there might be some merit in that. How do you think we got to the point where we are taking drugs and castrating, chemically castrating little boys? How do you think we got to that point? I found a Google search today. Well, I conducted a Google search today. Under this term, ACLU condemns Lupron for pedophiles. That is a headline that I wanted to see. Well, when when did the ACLU condemn Lupron for pedophiles? Because right now the ACLU is saying that giving Lupron to uh little boys who want to be girls, that's perfectly fine. Do that. Sure, of course. That's life affirming. that's that's life affirming health care. Well, if that's life affirming healthcare Did the ACLU ever have a different position on Lupron? And it turns out they did. They did. March 16th, 2009. ACLU.org. This isn't like somebody else writing about it. This is them writing about it. Talking about how Lupron for pedophiles was a terrible thing. You don't dare chemically castrate. (laughs) A pedophile. But 14 years later, it's just fine to give that same drug to a little boy. Is he a sex offender? No, he just wants to be a girl. Just go right ahead and give it to him. The reason why the left doesn't argue from a position of truth is because they don't have truth on their side. And there's degrees of their whack, whack thinking. This is the epitome of it. Ignoring the Supreme Court or castrating little boys. But there's another popular one, and I'm railing against it because I see it coming down the pike. You live in Marysville? You got you got a vested interest in Marysville staying a really nice community? Then you ought to get a hold of the zoning commission to, tonight. Find, get a hold of the zoning commission today. Find out where they meet tonight. Show up at the meeting and be really, really loud in your opposition to this thing they're going to read tonight from an out-of-state firm that is building 300 homes. Say, what's wrong with building homes, Bruce? Oh, they're not building them to sell them. They're building them to rent them. It's called build to rent. They're going to build 300 homes and they're going to charge between $2,300 and $2,700 a month to rent the homes. Is that going to further the character of a great city like Marysville? No, of course not. It's going to bring people in to rent who can't afford to live in your community. Crime's going to go up. They're going to be late on their rent, and these guys eventually are going to make all the money they want to make, sell the homes, and leave town.